Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Hey, y'all. How you doing? As a Christian pastor, I can't say happy Halloween, but I can say happy fall fiesta. Good to have you guys here. Well, today's Halloween. Many of you opted for the scary option, come to church. <laughs> Do you think people will steal the, the skeletons and the spider webs off of our lawn if we go to church? No, just trust God. All right. <laughs> We've extended our binge-worthy to one more week, and we're calling it cringe-worthy. And the name of our sermon today is Graveyard Tales. Now, this comes to us from the book of Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But how many of you like spending time in graveyards, cemeteries? I know there's a couple of creepy people out there. There, I knew it. There. Thanks, Allie. But I grew up in a family that our family owns a graveyard in, in Texas, Stiff, Texas. It's right in the middle of a, a cotton field. It's over 150 years old. And I would spend time with my grandmother, who was very fastidious and loved to go and clean the place and make it look nice. But at night, I don't know what it was about it, but the graveyard wasn't a fun place to be in the middle of the night. I've done, been to a lot of cemeteries, I've buried a lot of people, done a lot of funerals, and I noticed that all of the cemeteries are covered with grass and people are putting flowers everywhere, but the creepy thing is, is that underneath the ground it's full of dead bodies, right? That's what's, that's what's going on. And Paul is using this. Paul the Apostle wants to talk to us, and I'm just going to talk to you today. I don't feel like preaching, so do you mind if I just talk to you? That's your cue to applause. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody prepped you before you came in. Kind of some rules. Should have gone over them earlier. <clears throat> but Paul is going to talk to us about what used to be a, a life in a graveyard and what is now a reality for those who had been living in Ephesus this letter was written to people who are living in Ephesus, uh, a, one, a very prominent city, and they had a past that had gone from the graveyard all the way to life and living in life. And Paul's going to use this as a metaphor to say, look, guys, a life that is separate from God a life that ignores God, a life that is, is living without a concept of God is no life at all. It is a life that is separated from true life. It is a life, he says, spiritually, metaphorically, it is a life that is dead, that is separated from God. All right, <clears throat> verse 1 and 2, here's the graveyard culture. It is known as Satan's kingdom or a kingdom of the dead. Verse 1 of Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions 
and sins. Your condition was that you're dead. The metaphor is that you were spiritually, literally spiritually dead. That means that there was no knowledge of God. Okay? You may have heard about God. You may have made up stories about God. You may, you know, people like to make up stories about God. I don't know if you noticed that. But they'll use terms like, well, you know, the man upstairs. Really? That's what you're going to call God, the man upstairs? Um, you know, the worship team is, is getting a little frisky around here, starting trouble. Okay. Back to the sermon. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. They're, 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 what he's saying is like, okay, you're living a life that seems normal, okay? Seems normal to you. But what you don't realize is the true condition of that life. A life that's separated from God is a life that, that has no experience with him. We don't understand his grace. We can make up stories about him, but we don't understand his grace. We don't understand his kindness. We don't understand his mercy, his forgiveness. We don't understand his power, his justice, his peace, period. You know, before I moved to New Mexico, <clears throat> I hate to admit this, but it's a true story. Before I, became, before I came to New Mexico, I was dead to green chili. I had no idea. Someone would say, green chili? What, yellow chili? Who cares what color it is? It's just chili. To me, chili came in a can, and it had wolf brand on the front of it. And so I went in, and someone asked me a you know, question, would you like chili on that? And I'm like, oh, sure. And they put this green stuff on there, and I thought, you do not know what chili is. Buddy, was I wrong. I had no idea of that perfect, aromatic, flavorful explosion of, that is born in New Mexico like nothing else. I thought I knew what chili was, but I didn't. And that's the point that Paul's making here. You know, the psalmist wrote this, said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Because here's the problem with sin. He said, you were dead in your trans transgressions or trespasses and sin. Here's the problem with sin, as William Barclay says this. He said, it kills the innocence. He says, not even Jesus can give back a man his loss of innocence. Not even Jesus can put back, pull back the clock. But what it can do is take away the sense of guilt, which the lost innocence necessarily brings with it. And the first thing that sin does, it brings an estrangement between you and God. That's the big problem. There's a separation there. And that is the life that he's talking about, living separated from God, separated in innocence, separated in being estranged from God. And that is not God's original intention. Then there is the advent of somebody who is, we'll call the ruler of the air. He is the ruler of this graveyard. In fact, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, but in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the air of the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So he says, your residence was a graveyard. 
That's where you used to live, a place of the dead, dead to the things of God, no knowledge. You lived and had your being in a world that was unaware of God and his plans. Paul says you were living as if God didn't exist. Okay? Now, the time is that when you followed the ways of the world, there was no cognizant thought. I mean, again, this is something that the Bible lays out clearly in its story. God created man and woman, human beings. Human beings sinned. They listened to this ruler. They listened to this voice who lied. And the result was they were kicked out of the garden. And after that, sin went from eating an apple, or not an apple, but a fruit, and to murder and every kind of evil. And the image of human beings were, was marred. That's the big problem. Because there is a nefarious force that we find in Scripture that a, a, someone by the name of Lucifer, or you might call him Satan, evil, whatever you want to call him, is continually rebellious against God. That's, that's what when we learn from Scripture, this, this person, this creature, is in continuous rebellion against God and hates God's order. And because of that, his object of <clears throat> control, his object of destructions, are the creation of God itself in human beings. It says we're told that human beings were created in the image of God. That doesn't mean that we look like God physically. What it means is that God was set as a ruler over this world, and God has set human beings up as rulers on this planet to rule like him, to care for things, to set us up as caretakers. But what happened is the image, the original image, was marred, and we were taken captive by someone who hates the work of the creator. Now, you say, well, this, this is a, a, an old story. Yeah, I know. It's been around a long time. And you can see it play out in history if you're paying attention. But it says that we were held in bondage by our circumstances, and it, which reminds me of the Stockholm Syndrome. Have you guys ever heard of that? Well, what happened in 1973, there was a bank robbery, and the bank robbers took for six days um, many of the people who were there in the bank as hostage, and being as hostage as they were, um, they said something unique happened during that time, that by the time that they, they, they were released and freed, they were pleading on the behalf of their captors. They had developed a relationship with those who were abusing them in, in a sense of uh, empathy and sympathy for them. And th here's the idea, is that sometimes in an abusive situation, uh, someone will be abusive, and then when they're nice, the, the person says, oh, well, you're being nice to me, this, so therefore this must be good. And Satan has created this arrangement with an... I don't need to preach today. I mean, if really, if you guys need to talk on the phone, this is... So, there's this... He, he hates the created order. That's always a signal that something's going wrong. Hates the good created order that was better in the beginning than his product of the created order. Now, it's a distortion. So, but what happens is, is that 
there's this feeling that this is just the way the world is. This is just the way the humanity is. And it's normal. And he's saying is that humanity is, is held in this captive situation where we think the abusive nature of life as we know it is normal. And Jesus steps on the scene and Paul's pointing to him and he says, look, it's not normal. It's not good. It's not right. It's, it's not the best. This is not God's idea, okay? This is somebody else's idea being perpetrated on humanity. And you're living in bondage and you're sleeping in a graveyard. Which leads us to verse 3, zombie life. That's where zombies come from, right? I mean, since the, the, the beginning of The Walking Dead, I mean, this country is crazy for zombies, right? We just love the idea of zombies. The human population of the world was overrun by a deadly virus. Corona. <laughs> deadly infection that turns people into walkers. The walking dead. What are, what are the walking dead? Well, they're dead. They smell dead. They look dead, but they're ambulatory. They can move, right? They possess unnatural desires eating human flesh, and more creatively, eating human brains. That must be a, a zombie's appetite. They are infectious. If one bites you, you're going to become one, okay? They no longer reflect the original design and nature of a human being, okay? There's no hope for cure. And I think this is a very interesting metaphor for humanity because you think about it for a moment. God created Adam and Eve to live with them, to be in relationship with them. This gets marred. Innocence is broken. The relationship is strained. They, they head out and they begin to just wreck things. Human beings are really great at wrecking things. We're really good at looking good on Instagram, right? Whatever. That's my filter. <laughs> we have a filter on me right now. You should see me without the filter. <laughs> but here, here's the idea. Is that the image has been marred. And Paul says you're walking around like zombies. You're moving, but you have unnatural desires. You're doing things and you're willing to eat others and infect them. You were from that world, but there was a life giver who came and changed everything. But the, but the idea for you, the human being, is that there's no hope, there's no, no way out because there's no other way, there's, there's no way out of it. But that's not what we're told in Scripture. In, in verse 3, uh, he says, all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following the desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we're by nature deserving of wrath. There's a sense you know when you do something wrong. You know that there's something bad going on. Any of you here, I mean, not any of you, I'll just take one of you. Have you gone on a diet in the last 15 years? There's no, nothing more shame-producing than a diet, right? 
Because you start out and you're doing it really good, and then all of a sudden things change. You're in line, okay? You're in line at Golden Pride. And you got the order from everybody at the house, and, and you know, you're just going to get the eggs, and you're going to take the tortilla out and give the tortilla to the dogs and just eat the green chili. And, and you're, you're cool. You know what you're supposed to eat. And then you see somebody flash out of the corner of your eye. Is that a cinnamon roll? <laughs> well, I guess I could get one. I guess I could, and, and I could share it with everybody in the family, right? That'd be great. I would just cut it up in tiny little pieces, and it'd be perfect. And so you get it, and you're in the car, and you're driving home, and you're thinking, I have so much self-control. And then you eat it in the driveway before you get in the house. And you walk in, you deliver the burritos to everybody in the house, right? And as you deliver the burritos, they say, hey, thanks for the burritos, Dad. Where are you going? Uh, I'm just going to go over here. Are you hungry? No, I'm, I'm not going to eat anything. There's a sense of this. We know when we've blown it, right? We understand that. <clears throat> when you're living without a conscience of God, there's a normalization of all of that. That's, that's the point. And this isn't a, a criticism against the world, but Paul's telling his people, that is the norm for people living in this world. That is the norm for the ruler of this air, of the air, gratifying the flesh, following its desires, like the rest, like everyone. He said, we're by nature deserving wrath. That's, that's the picture. And, and let's just pull back for just a little bit, okay? Right now, in every generation, I'm not any different, this idea that what we're experiencing is normal and right has been a lie from what is, Scripture calls the pseudopatri, the father of lies or the lie father who admittedly and in action and seen in history hates the created order of God. And that, that's why he talks about all of this going on within the children or within the society of those who are disobedient. It's not like they're being, they're being bad. What's, they're being controlled by something that's bad and being marred by something that's worse and, and being kept away from something that's good. That's what abusers do, right? Control, keep you away, abuse, make sure that you think that this is normal. We'll give you a little treat here and now and again. And this is just the way that life is. And Jesus comes along and Paul points it out that this is not what human beings were meant to do. That's why we talk about the gospel's good news. It's not like, oh, you're all sinners. <laughs> I knew it. No. When you see an attack on God's created order in any level... Know this, that there's a more nefarious force behind it. There's a more nefarious force behind it that is saying, God's trying to limit you. 
He knows that in the day that you eat the fruit, you're going to be like him. And God couldn't stand that. It's just a lie. It's not true. God hates you. God made you the way that you are. God doesn't make drunk. Why are you blaming God? Stop acting like junk. You see, if we allow this, okay, let's back up. Just talking here, I'm not preaching. There are various tropes in our world, different cosmologies and ideas. And they're in competition with each other. I am someone that, that follows the Bible. Not because I'm uber-religious, but because the story just is so strong. And I've actually met Jesus personally. I, I, I can have a real experience with Jesus and verify this and verify it through history. And if you, don't be, if you believe all of this is just some cosmic goo that just happened by accident and it doesn't really have any meaning other than what we can give to it, then you don't really care about the idea of being a creature. But I see design and I see his order and, and it's, it's order that's in fallen, it's in fallen nature. It's, it's, it's not order that is perfect, but you still see the order there. You see the beauty, the majesty of this earth. You see the complexity of humanity and how humans are the same all across the world. They have different languages, different cultures, but they're the same, and they, they, they continually produce the same effect. There is a created order that when you see someone kicking against that, that is someone who is being ruled or at least influenced heavily by the ruler of the air. That's what Scripture says. That's graveyard culture, man. That's zombie life. Being fed something, saying it's normal, and not really thinking it through. And Jesus bursts on the scene. He says, hey, guys, this isn't living. You were made for something much better. And it starts by being connected with me. It starts by being connected with me, the source of life. And so if someone says, you know, oh, well, I don't believe that God created people this way. I don't believe that he created the world this way. Well, you can, you can fight against it, but at the end of the day and at the, at the end of when everything is said and done, the creator will have his say. And either you're going to be a person who says, okay, I'll accept it. I'm a part of this creation of God, and I can see that it's out of order. And then your ear is ready to listen to Jesus who says, good. Let's get you out of that place. You're being held captive. You're being host held hostage. And I want you to experience something great. You see, this rebellion blinded us, blinds us to our own folly. It blinds us to our own, my own depravity. Using the argument, if, if there is a God, he must have made me the way I am, all my desires and everything about me. He must love it. 
It blinds us to our own open rebellion about the true and living God. If there is a God, I'm not sure that he has anything to do with me or even cares to, right? But being dead from God's knowledge, being dead from the true life of God means that we're not fully aware. No true, full knowledge of self. Subhuman zombies. I think we have all experienced some zombie living in the last year and a half, two years. Can anyone say amen to that? Join my sister here. Amen. Because you're sort of, all of a sudden you head life. You're moving along. Hey, we're doing stuff. We're nervous. We're freaked out. We're spending way too much money. And then everything shuts down. And then there's a big worry about people dying and, 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 and then a vaccine comes out and people start to slowly move out of their homes. But I feel like, you know, at life coming out of the pandemic is, is not like, hey, here we go. It's more like, you ever notice that about zombies? They can't run. <laughs> Why are zombies so slow? It's like the terrible life. You go from being fast that's how you know you're a zombie. So as you get older, you, you sort of become like a zombie. I don't know. But leaving, going back into life, we understand that something has changed, right? Something has changed in the psyche of human beings and collectively in our society and even around the world. People have been affected in ways that we're, we'll be writing about for generations to come. I say that because we have a choice about what we do today and where we go in the future. The past is the past. What has happened in the past is there in memory. It's there having its effect today, but I tell you, my friends, we have to live in the light of what we have moving into a new direction because what he says, this is the life that you were in in the beginning, but now, now you have a life giver who appears on the scene. Verse 4. But because God, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, okay, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. It's by grace you've been saved. It's because of God's great love. He says, but it's a connecting conjunction, a contrast. That, that, that the, it says, this is the way things were, but on the other hand, there's God and his mercy. You see, if you don't really know who God is, you don't understand his mercy. We make up stories and there are folklore 
folk tales about God and who he is, and you can believe in all of these lies, but it's not really true. It's not the real person. God himself be, begins here for his great love for us. He is rich in mercy. Okay, this is what it looks like in a way that we can understand, a way that I can understand. How many of you love to see people suffer? Come on. Some of you people. I know. No, I'm joking. Um, nobody really wants to see people suffer. That's why the popularity of all of these horror movies. Thank you. But honestly, we don't want to see another person suffering. It, it, it hurts us. When, when you see a person who's dying, you don't go, boy, don't they look great? They must have, be having the time of their life. No, there's, there's a recognition that, oh, no. Whatever, like, in, in my neighborhood, everybody has dogs. I think the dogs have dogs. I don't, I don't know what's going on there. But, but you hear every once in a while a dog yelping, and there's that helpless sound. And everybody is not like everyone goes, woohoo! There's a sense of, we got to find that dog. we got to help that dog out. What's something going on here? Okay, are you any better than God, you personally? Trick question. You're not. If you don't like to see other human beings suffer and want to help them to alleviate their suffering, if you don't want to see a, a, a little animal suffer and you want to help to alleviate that suffering, what, where do you think that goodness and mercy comes from with God? The ruler of the zombie graveyard loves to see people suffer because he hates God's created order. Don't forget that. It comes from one place and it spreads out to all who, and it's abusive. But God, he says, but God is not like that guy. God, on the other hand, is rich in mercy because of his great love. And so he sees his people suffering, human beings. Come over here. I'm a life giver. You're marred from what you were originally intended to be. Sin and all of the junk has messed with you, scarred you up. And I'm saying, come on over here because I have something for you. I can give you real life. Verse 5. He made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace you've been saved. He's made us alive. Made us alive. You see, Jesus has that ability. And when he makes us alive, it opens up something new for the whole world. Alive to see God at work. Alive to see the mysteries of God in this world. Alive to not be ashamed to, to name the name of God. To not be ashamed to, to say that I know that I'm created. I'm a created being. 
and God is in my life and I see him in the world and I'm experiencing it and these, this other half, half-lit life in the graveyard is nothing in comparison to what I'm experiencing today and God looks at it and goes, that's what I'm talking about, 100%. Anybody go with me on that? That's what I'm talking about, 100%. That's a life connected to God. Here's, here's the problem. If we forget where we came from, we have a tendency to go back. And I think this COVID thing, and there's so many forces abounding right now, so many different ideas. If you wake up one morning and you find that you're in a graveyard, if you've been following Jesus, if you know who Jesus is, then head back. Head back because he's got life. He still has mercy. He still has goodness. And he still has what you need. But if you hadn't realized that you've been living in a graveyard and the life that you've been experiencing, you think this is just normal, then I, I would refer you to Jesus to think again. Think again and consider Jesus and his claims because what he has is life. Okay, what does it mean practically for us living today? Well, uh, if you're a Christ follower, it means this. Stop wearing sweats all the time. (laughs) They don't look good. They don't produce good mental health. Get up and iron something and put it on and act like a human being. Stop. If you find yourself walking to the fridge like this, stop it. It is a lie that you need more nurturing right now and you need a softer life. Well, the, the biggest emotion people are feeling right now is fear in this world. And you've got to combat it. You notice, that, you notice how they fight zombies in the movies? Somebody has to stand up, you know? I mean, you could run from a zombie all day long because they can't catch you. But that, that zombie kind of represents the old part of me that old self that's trying to catch up with you. I want to eat your brains again. No. It's a pandemic. We're all becoming zombies. It's okay. No. We need to go back to the graveyard. It was so comfortable there. No. Our only way is forward. Get up. Get active. Get moving. If you're following Christ, get busy. Stop waiting for people to pat you on the back and and say nice things to you. You know, this this whole world has been disrupted, and and, and Barna Research has shown that, well, uh, Barna's a very uh, well-established research group here in the U.S., said that Churches are down in attendance since COVID by 55%. Where's your faith now, zombies? Where's that? 
Well, uh, uh, no. You know that this virus is going to work its way around until eventually it becomes like cold, flu, and COVID season. And if we're going, we're going to be led by fear, we're going to be led by the, the spirit and the ruler of the graveyard who keeps people in fear. How do abusers keep people in line? Fear, right? Isn't that how you do it? Jesus says, I don't want you to live in fear. I want you to live in freedom. I want you to live with me. I want you to enjoy life. I want you to get out and to share the gospel. Not to sit around and doubt it. A lot of people are losing their faith. Why? I don't know. Maybe their faith was in something else. I, can't, I don't know what that's about. But I know one thing. Jesus calls us forward. Come with me. He doesn't say go back and live in the graveyard. He doesn't. I'm afraid to stand up, Dave. I might get fired at work. I'm afraid to stand up. I might get canceled on Facebook. Oh, poor you. Who cares? What are you doing on Facebook anyway? It's meta now. <laughs> We're coming for your brain. <laughs> meta. Who Look. If you're worried that somebody's going to call you racist, if you're worried that someone's going to call you phobic phobic, if you're worried that someone's going to whatever, sticks and stones can break your bones, words can't hurt you. You know when words hurt you? It's when they're true. So if you're a racist, you better get on your knees and get with Jesus and get it taken care of. If you feel like you need to push other people aside because they're different and they, they think differently. And I mean, it's, it's a cheap thing to call someone phobic. It's like a little kid saying, no, you're a fraidy cat. It's such a cheap schoolyard, but it works. It, it, if, if you have problems with, with certain groups of people, well, then get on your knees before Jesus and work it out. Because if someone's saying something that's not true about you, it doesn't hurt, Right? It only hurts when it's true. <laughs> Can't be afraid. Got to preach the gospel. Got to get up. Got to get off the sweats. You got to whatever and get moving because that's who we are. We're not going to crumple up in fear. We stand up and be good for the whole world. That means everybody, humans. Humans, humans. So, would somebody back in the room over there change that zombie life? It's driving me crazy. Okay, they're not listening. All right. We can't go back. Zombies, the zombies in the uh, room back there. Hey. Can't go back to the graveyard. We must embrace the life that God has and go with it. Go with it. Fight your fears. Fight your laziness. Fight your depression. Whatever it is, 
But fight for life. The alternative is death. Father, thank you for our time today. Thank you that we have been given so much that you have filled us with your spirit and you've challenged us. Lord, thank you for bringing us through such a historic moment and we know that there's more to come. But Lord, I pray that we, we, we enter into that with a, with a heart of joy Lord, that, that can't be stolen. A hearty nature of the way that you've made us, oh God, please restore that in us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.